0: It uh, It is good to see everyone here. It is good to have the folks join us by the way of the internet and uh, the live streaming and so forth. I'm glad to do that and uh, be able to do it and so forth and we'll say hello to everyone that is online and uh, joining us that way. Uh, it's always uh, interesting on uh, Wednesday nights we have more folks online than we do in the building and that's always par for the course and the way it, it goes but uh, We are glad that everyone is here. 1 Timothy 3, if you will. I want to just, uh, I titled this morning, it's good to remember. And as we begin the new year and so forth, and it's good just to kind of remind ourselves of of some things here. Last uh, week we talked about what to do in 2022. And uh, the issue there of Paul and priorities and goals. And it's good to have them. He had them. And uh, we should as well. And uh, when it, uh, he, <laughs> Paul had a tremendous pattern of ministry, and he lays it out for us, and when he does that, he, he gives it to you and I to continue and to have, and, and I just want to kind of remind us of that this morning here, uh, of the local church and the local assembly and, and its importance. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, verse 14, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And Paul reminds us here of the great import of the local church and the local assembly, because the local church is the vehicle in which the work of the ministry is to be done. Now, I realize you have a lot of technology out there. But, you know, you had a lot of that with the newspaper back in the day. You had a lot of that with the magazine. And, I mean, and you begin to think about the Internet and you think about all of the technology. That just simply makes it easier to do the work of the ministry. It makes it simple for we have folks all over the globe that chime in and tune in to us either live or really via YouTube and, the, and so forth. But that is not the work of the ministry. The, okay, that's a component of it. The work of the ministry, what when we when we're is done, the vehicle for which the work of the ministry is to be done in is the local church. Because in the local church, that's where you can be held accountable. That's where you can have you have responsibility. You have a, a fettering down of information. If, if all you have is an internet-based ministry, you have no checks and balances balances. OK? It's interesting in 3:1 when he says, if a man desire, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire good work. Then down in verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy, a filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. What establishes the pure conscience there? It doesn't say that if a man desires to have an Internet-based ministry. See? Well, because in a local assembly, what do you have? You have structure. You have leadership. You have saints. Philippians 1, verse 1, the saints and the bishops and the deacons. And so, and so you have accountability. You have responsibility. Too often times, if you ever pay attention to anyone that's on Facebook or has a ministry that's strictly internet-based, you find out quickly they have no body to hold them accountable. Because if I'm on the internet and I don't like what you're saying, you know what I can do? Block. Delete. Block. Delete. And before you know it, I can trim out all of the naysayers and keep all the yes guys. But in a local assembly, you can't do that because there's guidelines, there's rules, there's structure. So when you, And again, I know that tech makes it easy. We have folks that aren't here this morning that are sick, they watch online. I'm for it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's not where the local church is, and that's not how the work of the ministry was designed to be done. It was designed to be done in a local assembly, a local gathering together of the believers, in a local capacity. That way you can get you, the local church and <laughs> in, in over the years we've studied it, and, and I think about things and how to say it, and c- come over to Acts 14, and, and what to you know, the local church is not a social club. Unfortunately, for a lot, it is. A local church is a classroom. It's, it's for the authoritative communication of sound doctrine. And then it becomes a laboratory. It's where we take that sound doctrine that's been communicated to us, and then we go and we put it into action, and we begin to work it. Okay. The greatest illustration of that is in Paul, and we we'll get over there in just a minute in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, where he tells us to do things, and some of that we can't do with unsaved people. Do you know that the, the doctrine of forgiveness, one of the greatest doctrines in in Scripture, is really designed to be formed and functioned and display, put on display right here in the local church. You really can't forgive an unsaved person in the manner in which forgiveness is meant for to happen between you and another brother in Christ. Another believer. Now, can you forgive them? Sure you can, and you can have that. You read First Corinthians 13, the great description of what charity is to look like. Not love, but charity. Charity. You read down through that, and you think about, you know what? I really can't do this great illustration of what charity to unsaved people, the way it was really meant to be done between believers in a local church. Now, you can go do that with unsaved, but not get out the true meaning of what Paul wrote it when he wrote it in 1 Corinthians 13. Because the context of that in 1 Corinthians 13 is a local assembly at Corinth not doing what, is, what was supposed to be done. Thank you. <laughs> okay? Now, all that is just sideline. All right? Paul says, let's remember something here. Look at Acts 14. In the early days of Paul's ministry, Luke records some things here for us. A- Acts 14, uh, verse 20, Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up. And the him here and the he here is Paul. Verse 19, they, they stone him, they leave him for dead. And he came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that with much tribulation I'm sorry, and, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them, commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Paul gives us, right there, the basic framework of what the work of the ministry is all about. First, he goes in and he sees unsaved people do what? Get saved. Then, verse that's verse 21, there's evangelism happen. Okay? They preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. Then, verse 22, what do they do? They... Confirm the souls of the disciples and exhort them to continue in the faith. There's an edification that is to happen. There's so they take they get take unsaved people, they get them saved, they take the saved people, folks, and then they edify them. They grow them, they get them established. Not only are they established in faith, and they continue in the faith, but then they're also told what? Hey, you're gonna suffer. Because of this, or so because of what you believe and what you're now learning, there's going, be some con- there's going to be some tribulation. They know that right from the get-go. So when the much tribulation starts, there should not be shocked because what's Paul already told them? You're going to get go through it. But then, verse 23, And when they had ordained them elders in every church, what did then they do? Then they what? Establish the local church and had prayed with, with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And then there is really an issue of the expansion, and that is the enlisting of others and the moving out. So when you think about when Paul says, hey, we are the church, come back over there to First Timothy 3. Go back to First Timothy 3. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. When Paul says, listen, we've got to have bishops, we've got to have deacons, we are going to have leadership. And when the local church is functioning properly, organized properly, And again, 1 Timothy 3, it's nothing against being anti-woman or anti-anything. It's the role of the men in the local assembly fill these positions. The ladies have their roles, they fill. The men have their roles, they fill. And when the local church is functioning properly, then 3.15 is the result of it. 3.15 is the concluding of it. 3.15 is uh, is being accomplished. And notice the verse carefully. He says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to what? Behave thyself. There's a behavior that's associated with the local church. It isn't to just be chaotic. We were talking, I got a new microphone here, and I said, yeah, we're trying to be like the bigwigs now. Uh, It's really more for Wednesday night, but we're working on it today. But see, the thing is, is it isn't to be like the bigwig. It isn't to copy Paul says, comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. You're a fool to compare yourself with someone else. You are. Paul says so. So don't do it. Stop. Stop. Why? Because this is who we are. What are we going to do? Well, we, we know how we ought to behave. There's a behavior. There's a pattern here of how it's how the behavior is to look. Not chaotic. Not just come in and say, ah, we're going to do this today, we're going to do that today. We used to have bulletins. You know why you have a bulletin? So you know when to start and when to stop. You know what's going on during the week. Now, to save money and paper, we put it up on the overhead. Okay, but still, what is the announcements? What do we know is going to happen next Saturday? Men's fellowship. What are we going to know that's going to happen at the end of the month? State of the assembly, potluck. We got things happening. We got outgo, outreach movement. You know, next week we're going to have the young married couple's dinner. We're going to have this, we're going to have that. We got all this. How do you know that? It comes from being organized, not chaotic. There's a behavior to it. You're going to behave yourself, notice, in the house of God. People refrain from calling the building the house of God. Paul just called the building the house of God. Now, when is this the house of God? When the church is here, okay? Otherwise, it's just a four walls and a roof during the rest of the time, right? Sure. But what did Paul just call the building? He says, hey, you' ought, how you ought to behave in the house of God. It doesn't say when you get together as the house of God. It says what? When you're in it. So when they got together at Aquila and Priscilla's home, what did that home become when the saints arrived? The house of God. See that? You know, get off your... Don't call the building the house of God. Paul did. Just chill your jets, dude. I know we get so anti-religion, we don't want to do that. But yet, here's Paul saying what? When you get together, you're in the what? You're in the house of God. Which is the church of the living God. And that's a wonderful statement about the living God. Our God is a living God. He's not a dead God. you know. Seven times Paul uses that term, living God. And you go back, and and by the way, Deuteronomy 5 is the first time that that phrase, living God, is used in Israel's history, and that's who is in control and who is in charge. The living God, not a dead God, not not the goddess Diana, not of the religious system, but the living God the pillar and ground of the truth. When we, as the house of the living God, in the house of the living God, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, when we come together and we're functioning properly, leadership's in its place doing its roles, saints in their place doing their roles, then what do we become? We become the pillar and ground of the truth. But where? In our local community. Right here. We have folks that come from the neighborhood. We have folks that come from many miles away (laughs) that come. We have, but where are we? We're right here locally. We have neighborhoods the neighbors around us that walk by and see us. And what do they see? They see a church building. If you stop and ask, I was i was up Wednesday night eating dinner, and the lady asked me, you know, are you coming home from work? I go, well, you know, I'm the pastor over here, the church by, uh, she goes, oh, by Mitchell Park. I walk by you every day. But what does she know? The church building. See? I'm like, yeah, I'm the pastor there. Oh, really? Great, 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 you know. See, I'll see you later. You know, She's walking the other way. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I want some more water. <laughs> you know? But what are they? The church. Local. Right here. I get calls from people. Hey, is there anybody in Tucson? You know, not, well, not yet. We're not down there yet. You know? Is there anybody over here? What are they looking for? Local. We had a family a couple weeks ago come up from Casa Grande area. Actually, from Casa Grande. What is that, 45 minutes, roughly? Something like that? Okay, an hour at the most. So what happens? They come up, they're here, and and I meet them, we talk and everything, and you know it would be wonderful to have something locally there, right? Well, we're as local, you know. It always made me laugh. I move out here. In Chicago, where we live, to go to the the old Shorewood building, which was Grace and Neva in the city, It was 45 minutes one way. We did that Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, Wednesday night. People did that plus more, no complaining. I get out here, where are you guys located? Well, we're over here, you know, and that, well, that's too far away. Well, where are you? I'm 30 minutes away. That's too far away. And I'm like, too far away dude i was do you know 45 45 you know i'm sitting here going man but what do you do well you do it because what are you looking for you're looking for the word you're looking for the truth you're you're looking for that so as a local church pillar and the ground of the truth the pillar is what holds up the truth holds it up there for all to see. For Here it is. You want to know where the truth is? It's right here, in this locale. Now, I'll be honest with you. You can go all over the country. You can go all over the world, and you'll run into believers. You may not know they're there, but you get to talk to people, and guess what you find out? There are other believers around that you didn't know about, that didn't know about you. But what are you going to do? You're going to hold up a sign. Here we are. Where the When we moved into this building the first time, We have a blue sign that we use on the swap meets. I told the guys, I said, hang that out there so they know who we are. And on it, it says, the church that preaches what the Bible teaches, rightly divided. And we had many of people, hey, what is this rightly dividing thing? You know what that means? It means they read the sign. They wanted to know who was here. Great conversation. Hold the sign. Pillar. Hold up the truth. The ground. The ground is, is what stabilizes the pillar. It's what keeps everything in place. And if you're going to hold up the pillar, what do you got to make sure is is stable? The ground, the foundation, the sound doctrine. Well, that's the truth. And the pillar and the ground of the truth, that's what we're holding up. And when we do this, then and only then are we functioning properly. When we don't do it, then we're not functioning properly. Something has gotten in the way. When you come along and you say, Here's the truth in this local locale, here it is. Here we are. Come and get it. That's our job. We need to remember that. Sometimes, again, I said it last week, we get sucked off into other things that are going on in our culture, in our society. And it's not bad to know. (laughs) Paul. Paul, when he says give attendance to reading, I take that to be more than just reading Paul's epistles three times a day, which three chapters a day, sorry. You know, read it three times a day, too. That's pretty good. But three cha- he's talking about being well-read, being aware of what's going on. When Paul appeals to Caesar and the, tri- the trial things and acts there, he does that because he knows he can do it because he's aware of what's going on. It isn't going over there and going, oh, I can't only read this. No, you, you need to know what's going on in life. Why? Because it impacts you. Somebody was telling me that a piece of uh, equipment that they bought last year was 1000 bucks. The same piece this year is $1,700. What's gone up? Everything. Everything. How do you know that? You just go to the store. But then you get reading and you get looking and you find out that, you know, it's across the board, it's this, it's that, and whatever. And then you get, then you get over here and you're going, okay, well, what causes that? And, and what did you quickly leave? Reading your three chapters a day. Now you're reading three chapters of something else that just shouldn't that just is really lost to the ether. We need to remember. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. When we think about the local assembly and the local church, this isn't something that we just do to, to do because we got nothing else to do. I got a lot of things I need to get done at the house. <laughs> You got a lot of things to get done at your place. You got plenty of things to do. So then what we need to remember this. When we think about what the local church is really all about, 1 Thessalonians 1. The Apostle Paul here talking to what many have called the, the, the probably the most perfect church illustration, the Thessalonian church. Problem is, is they had issues as well. They weren't, they weren't without their issues. In verse 6, Paul says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having the received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For Now watch, from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith, the God word, is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Notice what that local church, that little local church at Thessalonica, the one that was under heavy persecution from the Jews in, in the Acts period, Acts 18. Acts. Uh, I just had it. When, when were they? What was that? Acts 17. What 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 is their testimony? From you sounded out the word of the Lord, so much so that wherever I go, they already know about you. But notice what, what was sounded out. Look at verse 8. In the middle of that verse, but also in every place your what? Faith to Godward is spread abroad. What were they doing? They were holding up the sign that says, here's the sound doctrine. They were going out into the community about them and then beyond that community and saying, hey, look, you know what you need? You need to get saved. Oh, you're saved? Great, you need to come to the understanding of the truth, and here it is. So no matter how you do it or how we do it, whether we were going to the swap meet, we were going to do that, and uh, nicking them, you know, and so forth, Whether you go that, whether you do the internet, website, podcast, YouTube, what's the goal, what are you doing from you sounded out the what? Your faith. What are you doing? Holding up that truth, aren't you? Holding up the sound doctrine. So then what do you need you need to have? You need to have the instruction on what the sound doctrine is. Paul is our apostle. The studying of God's word, God's way, rightly dividing the word of truth. You get that, then you get in and you start putting the little details together. And you know what happens? People quickly know who you are. Our neighbors around us, our, the neighborhood about us, they know who we are. All they've got to do is go to the websites. That's why the website's on the sign out there. So then what do they do? Boom, go. I ask people, we have visitors come, hey, how'd you find us, the website? We had one gentleman, he says, I found you by Google Maps. (laughs) Really? Okay, cool. But if we weren't there, they wouldn't have found us. But you know what? If we weren't here, we wouldn't have been there. We're here because of that. Come over to Romans chapter 12. So the first issue of a local assembly is to sound out the truth. Romans chapter 12. It's not a, again, no matter how you do it, radio program, we've been on the radio, Pat door to door, pass out tracks, talk to people up and down, you know, the, the swap meet, the, the driveway uh, yard sales, whatever you do, th- I'm trying to think of everything we've done in the past. Everything you do, no matter what are you doing, you're sounding out the truth. Here's the truth of God's word. And I'll be honest with you, you need to add a little thing to that from a King James Bible. Because that gets lost in all of that. Look at Romans 12. The second issue that comes up within the local assembly is that we have an internal ministry to each other. The one anotherings of Paul. We're going to have some more studies in the future about this. But that issue there of study, of, of taking care of one another. In Romans 12, just one verse, verse 15. As, as Paul begins the section, verse 9, "...let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another." But look at verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. If you're not here at the local church, how can I do that verse? I can't do it. If I don't know to rejoice with you... And if I don't know to weep with you, I can't do that verse. And then you can't have that verse be performed on you and with you. And you can't do that verse. See, that's why the local, it's a gathering together of the saints and the local in the community. We are to be looking out for each other. We have an internal ministry, a comforting of one another, a, a working with one another, a, a being there. But you know what, though? You, I don't know. Can you read my mind right now? <laughs> You got the overhead, that's as close as you're going to get to it. Because right now, my mind's just, boom, with the verses. And you're not there. So I can't read your mind, you can't read my mind. But if you're here and we're talking, then what can we quickly know? Hey, you know, folks are not here because they're sick. Well, how did you know that? Well, because we're here and we're missing them. And why aren't they here? So you go reach out and you find out that, hey, You know, they got the COVID, you know, they got the, the, they've got the whatever, the crud. What, right, what do they need? Well, they need you to stay away. Okay, we'll stay away. You know, they need you to do, there's that internal ministry. And then you come over to Acts 20, Acts chapter 20. There's a third component. Now, these aren't all the components, but I I take these to be the three big ones because there's so much underneath each one you can do. The third component is that the local assembly is to be a place of protection. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is leaving the group there at Ephesus, and he gives them a little warning, and, and this is the, really the idea here. And it's to be a place of protection from not only the world out there. Isn't it wonderful to come someplace, come here once a week and kind of be refreshed? Whether it's the teaching or just being with each other? Sure it is. Why? Because the week's tough. Now, if you come on Wednesday night, you get a little more, okay? You get a little booster shot in the middle of the week, okay? We'll vaccinate you again in the middle of the week. But, but if, and if you're part of you know, other things that are going on, then you can be. But the thing is, is so there's a place of a protection. And in Acts 20, verse 28, uh, the, the apostle here warning to the, the the brothers there at Ephesus as he's going to be leaving them now, but really also for you and I, he says, "Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood." Take heed, pay attention, guys, pay attention. For I know this, verse 29, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every of everyone night and day with tears. What's he talking about? Hey, what's happening out there? Grievous wolves enter in, come from outside into the local assembly to do what? Well, what does a wolf do in a, in a little flock of sheep? He has dinner, exactly. Causes chaos. Causes a disruption. So what, what happens when false doctrine comes in? Then the, the leaders are to do what? Take heed and defend the flock and come over here and stop that. How do you stop false doctrine? Teach sound doctrine. Give the people, hey, here's what sound doctrine looks like. Hold it up, here it is. Woo, First Timothy 3.15, here we go, here it is. That's why the local assembly is not really a soul salvation place. The local assembly is, to, the, 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 the function is to take save people and edify them and grow them evangelism is a personal work it's a private work between personal one-on-one now you can bring unsaved people to church and have them hear the gospel and get saved sure but the the salvation stuff is your job as the ambassador for christ on the one-on-one side then you say hey you got saved i got a place you need to be a part of and then you bring them to church the local church, and what's happening there. The authoritative communication of sound doctrine is happening. And what do they begin to do? Learn, grow. That protects from that wolf. But then he says, men from among yourselves, within. Verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise. That's when you have an internal conflict pop up. And I'll be honest with you, I've been around ministry all my life, even as a young child, as a young man. And conflict from within comes from one thing. Pride. Pride. I've seen it. I've seen men get jealous of, whatever, of what grade School of the Bible's doing or Dad was doing. I'm, I'm talking about when I'm growing up. I see men get jealous of what we do here. Pride is what gets you, every time. I can do that. I want that. I can do that better than him. Him. He can't. I've told many of guys, if you think you can do it better, jump up there and do it. Well, I just don't have the time. Then you can't do it. Right. Then you need to shut up, sit down, and be quiet, and learn, and listen, and grow. Oh, well, but Rick, you're too crude sometimes. You're, you don't... Diary of the mouth, as they say. No... What's happening here? Pride. Because what in a local assembly, what's going on? That should be a place of what? Protection. So when you're thinking about this, 1 Timothy 3, 15, the pillar and the ground of what? Truth. A place of protection. A, an internal ministry of, 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 of one anothering. And the sounding out of the truth. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A verse popped came to mind to me one day, a few years ago, <laughs> as we were looking at at the time having a ministry vision and a ministry mantra was the big thing. So as I was sitting down trying to, you know, okay, what would our mantra be? I came up with a church that preaches what the Bible teaches. Rightly divided. I'm like, I like that. All right, we put that everywhere, you know. I even have business cards. Put it everywhere. But then I got to thinking about, well, what about a ministry verse? And 2 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 came to mind. Because these verses really lay out that if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as a local assembly, leadership in place, everybody in their position, doing and everything, growing, learning, working out the rubbings that come up? Because when you get together and you start working, and when I want to do it my way and you want to do it your way, what happens? You get the little rubs going, and now you got to do what? Now you've got to bring in the doctrine of forgiveness, the doctrine of long-suffering, the forbearing one another. And what do you get the chance to do it? I get a chance to work it out with my other brother over here in Christ. And I get to work through that. But you know where that... But I can't work through the doctrine of forgiveness or long-suffering or forbearing if I've never been, what, taught the doctrine of forgiveness. So what do you do in the local church? Teach the doctrine. Now in the local church, as we get together and as we begin to do work, we go to the swap meet. i just use that as an illustration because we've done it over the years. You go to the swap meet, and I want to do it my way. Now I know Marla's response. That's fine. You do it your way. I'll, I'll be there at ten. <laughs> right, right, yeah, okay. But see, the thing is, is it isn't about doing it my way. It's not. We're gonna go do this. So now what happens? Well, we're doing it Rick's way. Well then, Joe comes in. We're gonna do it Joe's way and Rick's way. And what happens? Boom! Two bull ram, two big old ram, you know, bull-headed bulls get together. All Marla wants to do is pass out tracks and talk to people, but Rick and Joe want to do what? Run the show. Ain't going to happen, is it? What's going to happen? Friction, chaos, turmoil, failure. Yeah. Okay. So what do you begin to learn? You begin to learn how to work with each other, and that takes an, an opportunity to do that. It takes an opportunity to come along and say, you know what? I yes, I'm the pastor. Yes, I'm the leader. But I can follow someone else and let them do because they need, that's an area they can lead in. And I need to take myself and put me over here and, and say, hey, I'm not, you be in charge. I'll push, I'll be the pusher. You go, you do, I'll be the pusher. You follow that? You can't do that without a local assembly, you can't do that with an internet based ministry. Doesn't work. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Just notice those verses. Therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have a ministry. By the way, all of us have a ministry. If you turn to chapter 5, verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We all have a ministry. We are all ambassadors for Christ, where we all have something. Now, we all come together, and what do we do? We bring all that together. Then he says, verse 1, we faint not. We're not to quit till the time of our, what does he say over there in 2 Timothy 4? I'm ready to what? Depart. Why? I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've run the good race. I'm done. You don't quit till it's what? It's over. (laughs) Till your departure is at hand. You fight the good fight. You run the right course. By the way, I've I've run the course. Course of instruction. The course of the world. The course of instruction. Verse 2. Here it is. Here's how ministry is to be done. Here's what it's to look like. Having renounced the hidden things of what? Dishonesty. Isn't that interesting? We're to provide all all things honest before all men Paul has communicated to us so if we are all doing 2 Timothy 3 or uh 1 Timothy 3:15 and if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing then what do we already know we're to provide all things what honest so dishonesty isn't even going to make it to the table i heard that i heard a ministry a dishonesty in ministry illustrated one time and, and, and by a guy in, in a busing church busing and he ran into a little boy standing on the corner and he's like what are you doing he goes i'm waiting for the church bus to come by sunday school bus to come by to get me so the guy pulls up the little boy says what you guys serving today for snack and he said well we're, we're serving apples he said "Nah, that's okay the next bus come by what you serving today the guy goes hot dogs he goes on yeah, he got on what are they using gimmicks to get people to come we don't gimmick you know you're here because you're wanting to hear some teaching and not the gimmicks you know we're talking about tearing down some of this and making some more room up here and i'm sitting there going for what well for the nine-piece band no we don't that's a gimmick that's a gimmick we don't do that we don't hide we don't dishonesty Then he says, not walking in craftiness. We're not a salesman. I I think about that. You know, Linda and I went around and walked around the home show uh, Friday. And man, you tell you what, hey, how you doing? Have you ever thought about solar on your house? Yeah, I have, and I don't want it. Thanks. You know, finally, you just do what? You put that block up of don't even look at them, you know. And there you just keep walking. What? Well. What is, a salesman! What are they doing? They're trying to grab your attention. They're trying to sell. craftiness. We've got a mechanism. we were sitting there. We we're looking because we're going to be doing. We're going to change out the windows in a couple years, so we're trying to gather up some brochures and everything. And the guy goes, "I heard a guy. I, heard, I was listening to the sales pitch to another couple, so I didn't have to listen to it again." And uh, she, he's like, "Now I will give you a coupon for five thousand dollars off." So I'm like, if that's five grand off, how much is this really going to be, you know? So I'm sitting there, and the lady went, really, you'll do that? And the man goes, of course he'll do that. He wants the job, you know? Now he's done checked out because he heard the total bill, blah, blah, blah. So then the guy looked at me, and I said, I've already heard enough, man. Just, I just need the brochure, thanks, and I'm backing up. But see, what is it? Craftiness. Hot dogs or apples, which one would, would the kid go for? It's a gimmick. We don't do that. We're not trying to con or, or dupe someone. We say, here's the truth of God's Word. Take it or, or leave it. Nor walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. Oh, man, what a... What a hand, not handling the Word of God deceitfully. When you handle the Word of God deceitfully that is the issue of not rightly dividing the word of truth okay it isn't handling the word of god deceitfully is not talking about corrupting the text that's over in chapter 2 okay here he's talking about taking a passage of scripture and saying it says one thing when it's saying something else it's taking a passage and saying well, that really isn't a literal, visible, physical thing. That's just a spiritual mortifere. Mortifer. Uh, 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 Metaphor, thank you very much. Metaphor for this. And they give a little song and dance, and and yet really when he says wrath, it's really what? Wrath. Well, it's not really hell. It's Hades. What? No, it's hell. That's what it is. See, deceitfulness there, handing, handling the God of... Word of God deceitfully. If you want to handle the Word of God honestly, you know what you're going to do? There's really five ways to do it. First of all, you take the literal method. You take the normal reading. You, it means what it says, and it says what it means. You adhere, Number two, you adhere to the context. you got the immediate context. you got the remoter context. But there's a context. That's why you hear me say, context is king. Then you come along and you have the dispensational approach. They're rightly dividing it. There's a dispensational approach to the gospels that you need to understand. It starts out one way, and then right in the middle of it, the Lord changes it because dispensationally within their program it's time to change something. And he does. You take the parables. Why does God, why does the Lord start talking in parables? Just an illustration. Because dispensationally, in their timeline, it's time for one group to understand it and another group not to get it. The apostate nation is not to get it. The believing remnant is to get it. So he starts talking in parables. He doesn't teach anymore in parables. And the reason he teaches in parables is so one group won't get it and another group gets it. It's that clear in Scripture. Again, now, mainline preachers don't say that. They say that the Lord's a great storyteller and it's for everyone to get it. But when you read Scripture, you know what he says? He says it's for you believers to get it and you unbelievers not to get it. It's clear as a, why. The verse says what it says. The fourth approach is you allow the book to interpret itself. You let it speak. And the fifth way is the issue to adhere to and to understand the issue of progressive revelation. Not handling the Word of God deceitfully. I've had many of folks say, we appreciate you teach the Word of God. I can give you my opinion. I can give you my thought process. But you know what's going to really help you? The Word. Why? My... Come back to chapter 1 of 2 of Corinthians and verse 24. Here's my ministry verse. A verse that took, I took to heart many years ago very personally. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith. I don't want to have dominion over your faith. I want to be but are helpers of your joy. That's what I want to be. And me telling you my opinion doesn't help your joy. <laughs> It just gives you what? My opinion. What helps your joy? The Word of God does. For by faith ye stand. That's my job. That's how I look at it. My job isn't to be the main attraction. My job is to make the Word of God the main attraction. There he is. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, back in the, there so we can get done. But, here it is, by the manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Here's what we're to do. We're to teach the Word. And we're we're to let the Word, the truth of God's Word, be the issue. Not personalities. Not attendance. Not the offering box. Uh Uh-oh. Now we're in trouble. The The treasurer's eyes roll back in their heads. You know. Not the online giving, but the what? The preaching of the truth. The preaching of the word. Because the issue is the teaching of the truth. And if that's the focus, then do you know that the other things will fall into place? Look with me at Ephesians 4. Think about that. If we teach the truth and we remember the function of the local assembly and why it's important... I stress this with the young married couples. It's important. Why? Because this is where the communication of truth is designed to happen. It starts at home, in the family, but it comes here when we come together. We become that laboratory, that life-giving laboratory where we can run up against each other and work things out. Ephesians 4, look at verse 16. For from whom whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, well, we can't be if we're not together. Then every joint can't supply that which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So if we're worried about attendance being down or up or whatever, then where does the fix for attendance issues come from? From within. comes from an authoritative teaching of the Word of God rightly divided, working in your life where you turn around and say, you know what, my friends and family need to be here. They need to be saved, and then they need to come to Word, understand the truth, the knowledge of the truth. And that comes, notice, the increase, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. It's according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. That comes from internal. That doesn't come from an external marketing campaign. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. But where does the growth come from? Within, internally, as you grow and you go. Come over to 2 Corinthians 9. So if we're going to fix whatever issue we thought think we have, where do we fix it from? We fix it from the word of God. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. How do you fix the offering box problem? Or lack of or maybe there's not one. But where does how do you fix it? You don't fix it by jumping up and down and ram rah, 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 rah. You fix it by what? Verse 7. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. If we are having issues with giving, money, finances, how do you fix that? It comes from an internal working of the Word of God working in your life to say, hey, this local church, church is important. I want it to be here for generations to come. You gotta plan that way, you gotta think about it that way. So if I'm gonna, if that's the case, then you know what? I have to purpose in my heart that this is the case. And this is what I'm gonna do. You don't need the preacher over here saying, We need your twenty-five percent this year. See how it went up from ten? You know, inflation, <laughs> all right? We don't, you don't need that. What do you need? You need, hey, this place is important. It's got an impact, and we need to do. And it needs to be protected. It needs to be here. So as we begin 2022, I think we needed to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded of. Now, come to Philippians 4. We need to be reminded of us, of the local assembly, and the importance of it, Philippians 4. Because it is important. It's not a knock against technology and about doing. I tell Ricky all the time, let's go do whatever's free. If we can do it for free, let's do it. So we do a lot of stuff for free. Now, some stuff we have to pay for. We'll, by the way, we'll talk about the finances at the end of the month, okay? But there's some things we have to do. There's, that's okay, let's go do. Why? But what are we doing? We're not over here, you know, doing to, to have a big bank account. We're doing it so that the word gets out. And the local assembly is secure. And and here. Philippians 4, verse 8. A wonderful verse. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise. Think on these things. Things. That's what we ought to be thinking about. Every one of those items is fulfill, should be fulfilled in a local assembly, in a local church. It can be fulfilled in your life by thinking about the sound doctrine, about who you are in Christ and who Christ is. He's the, he's, he's the only one that's true, but yet he resides where? In you. See. But every one of those components is, is fulfilled in a local. Assembly that has the leadership in place, that has everyone in their roles doing and functioning, having outreach into the community, doing, being the house, the church of the living God. The pillar, holding up that truth. By the way, if we're the pillar, then the ground will always be clear of debris and it will always be safe and will always be there, because there it is. Okay? Now next week we'll talk about a few other things you need to remember. All right? I'm on a memory thing right now. It's all written down, though. Otherwise I forget it. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, above all, we just thank you for who we are in your Son, that we can come together, be together as members of your body, and have like faith, and have like mindset, and have like thinking, doing it all for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand, and we're going to